One of the most profound mysteries of the Christian faith is that we, when we become Christians, are not plunged into a process by which we become better. Instead, we have Christ formed in us. It's not that we grow to be more like Jesus only. We do that, yes. But the truth of the matter is, Christ is formed in us. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome to the InRest Podcast with Noah James Weeb. I am your host, Noah. I have been a follower of Jesus for over 10 years. I've been a pastor for over seven years. I live on the east coast of Canada with my wife, Brittany, and my four sons. And I hope that you enjoy joining me for the InRest Podcast as we hear how to live the Christian life well, how to walk with Jesus, how to know him better, and how to live the life God intended you to live. Thank you so much for joining me today on the InRest Podcast as you hear how to live your best in rest in Christ. Yeah, welcome to the Enrest Podcast with me, Noah, your host. So today we're talking about what it means that Christ is formed in us. In John chapter 17, in what I would call the Lord's Prayer, and that a professor friend of mine, Dave Smith, called the Lord's Prayer. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to the Father just before he's arrested in the Gospel of John and then crucified for our sins. So Jesus is having this, this, this conversation with God. It's pretty one-sided. Jesus is praying and expressing his desire for his people and his desire for the future, his desire for his disciples, his 12 disciples, but also for those who believe in Jesus because of their message. He says this in John chapter 17, I believe it's verse 22. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be brought to complete oneness then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them there even as you have loved me so john 17 right 22 to 23 i think that actually went into 24 there uh oh no it's just 22 to 23 anyways the point is john 17 22 to 23 talks about really one of the core truths and the core fundamental ideas of the gospel that jesus did not merely come to have our sins forgiven so that we would have a clean slate to start over again, but that he himself was going to become one with us. He's saying, Father, make them one as we are one. I in them, in them, and you in me. Jesus also said to his disciples at one point, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so when we have Jesus in us, we have the, the very nature of God implanted into our being. And that is one of the most fundamental, craziest mysteries of the gospel. Paul kind of brings that into almost near, I don't know if he brings it into every letter that he writes, but he also explores it in Ephesians chapter three, when he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. And he goes on to say, For this reason I kneel before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so Paul takes it very personally, this message of the gospel. Like, this is the reason why God called me. This is the reason why he saved me in the first place. This is the reason why I'm writing this letter. This is the reason why I'm on earth, is to communicate this message. And this is the reason why God gave me this grace, is to make known this mystery of the gospel to people who can be changed by it. The mystery of the gospel is that Jesus did, in fact, die for us on the cross. He was risen again on the third day. He died to forgive us of our sins, and he was raised to life so that we may, too, share in his kind of life. That we may share a life alive to God and dead to the sin that Jesus was crucified for and that Jesus was crucified with. The Bible says that in Christ, sin was crucified. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says it himself, For he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so as Paul explores a little bit further, he gets very personal even further to saying, I kneel before the Father and pray for you to have this revelation, to have this, this, this rock-solid security that Christ loves you. And in that love and in the faith, that you are developing and in the trust that you're developing that Jesus would not only be made more known about in your mind, but that he would be made known to you and that you would know him personally. The Greek word for the word knowledge or knowing in this, this scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 is a knowledge of, of deep, intimate experience. Like a carpenter knows wood or a salesman knows sails <laughs> or as a, uh, you know, a ship captain knows the ocean that we would know God that, that as a husband knows his wife that as as a friend knows his friend God wants us to know him to know his love to experience it in such deep ways that we're that we're intimate with it you know and so he's talking about that out of out of God's glorious riches he would strengthen he's talking to the Ephesians here that he would strengthen the Ephesians with power through his spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. So what's he saying? He's saying, I'm praying that God, by his powerful spirit, would, would make Christ form in you. He also talks about it in the book of Galatians. I believe it's in Galatians chapter 2. But basically, Jesus, uh, uh, Paul is talking about how Jesus has died. on the. Okay, so he died for us on the cross, and he died for us so that we might have freedom. It is for freedom that Christ set us free, Galatians chapter 5. But in the pas in passages before it, he's talking about how um, he's struggling with the, with the situation that his friends in Galatia, who he wrote the letter Galatians to, go figure, um, how they're struggling with their faith. They were wrestling with this whole concept of, of giving in to religious people groups and people who were trying to make them conform to the religious standards of the Jewish people in order to receive salvation through Jesus. But Paul was saying, no, 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 no. That's not how, that's not how it goes. It's not about that. Jesus fulfilled the law and he made us free 
and I'm going to keep talking to you about this and conflicting with you about this until you get it because I feel like I'm in birth pains for you until Christ is formed in you. And so there's this like really deep, very, very personal thing for Paul that like the gospel's one of the gospel's core messages, one of the gospel's core ideas and concepts and, and real things, the practical experience of the gospel is having Christ formed in us as a community and as individuals. Like when Jesus is saying, I pray that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Jesus is talking about him being formed in his people, that they, plural, may be completely one or may be brought to complete oneness. The sense of like, okay, we're all one family here. Like there's this, there's this theme of family that comes through that, right? Like in Galatians uh, chapters two to four, Paul really expresses how he, you know, is, is expressing the, the truths of the gospel through this lens of family, right? And through these different household characters, right? So he's talking about the slave and he's talking about sonship. But he's like, no, 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 God hasn't made us a slave. He's made us sons. He talks about it again in Romans chapter 8. For the spirit you receive does not make you slaves that you may live in fear again, or rather that you don't have a spirit that makes you afraid so that you're slaves again, but rather you've been given the spirit of sonship by whom you cry out, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Right, and so there's this sense of, of, of family, right? These family characters, father, son, and, and you might even say servant. Because in those days, having a servant in one's household was not that out of the question. It wasn't that out of the ordinary. And it was more consistent with having someone like a live-in nanny or a live-in housekeeper. Um, but it was, a, it was an extension of the household, right? And that person often had close relationship and sometimes didn't with re regular uh, family members, right? But it's through this lens of family, right? It's through the people who live in a particular household or oikos in those days. So when Paul is writing, he's using family language. But when Jesus is talking about how the Father is to be in him and he is to be in us, Jesus is talking about, you know, the sense of complete oneness, one as one might experience in family, right? The sense of unity and, and union that happens because of, of promises and agreements but also because of actually being birthed in to the unit, you know? So like when, when someone is going to become a family, they get married, right? So they make promises and, they, and God would even call it a covenant, right? He makes, they make a covenant. So they, they both make vows to one another and then they get married. And there's a ceremony and there's celebration, there's excitement. And then they fall and they fall into the rest of the journey where they consummate their love together. And it's so exciting. And then they go into this honeymoon phase. But in the midst of that and some other some some couples do this differently, but but they be they create family, right? The love reproduces itself and they create children. Their children are birthed into their family, right? And so there's this whole process of of developing into you know, a family and that's like a oneness. The reason why I got into all of that is as a metaphor for this this concept that God is that God is communicating to us and using this lens of family to help us understand it. We're talking about Jesus being formed in us. It's not about our behavior management. So practically, I mean, this does not look like us trying to make ourselves good in order that God might love us. And even after we can become Christians, right? I, like I said before, this is not about coming to this clean slate so that we can start over and be perfect this time. No, no, no. Like you're still gonna make mistakes. I remember when I was a teenager, I struggled with pornography addiction. So in that struggle with addiction, I was 
uh, struggling with the, the decisions that I was making, but I realized by the time I was about 15 years old that I was addicted. Like there's no way that I was going to get out of this by myself. Like I am stuck. Um, not everybody comes to that level of awareness, but I certainly did <laughs> because I, because I tried to stop, right? Like I, I thought this was a bad idea. I wanted to get out of this and here I am stuck. And so I struggled with this belief, like, hold on. Like I, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. I believe in Jesus at least. So like I'm saved, right? But if I make this mistake, am I showing that I'm not? And if I keep making the mistake over and over and over again, am I, am I showing that I'm not good enough for God's love? And so I continued to struggle with that for many years, right? So 15, 16, 17. And here I am going through all of my very core key memories with this background shame in my head and also this fear of condemnation that God's going to give up on me. And now, no matter what promise comes up in the Bible, I can't fully receive it. That might be good for somebody else, but not for me. And I'm stuck feeling condemned. Right? Like I have to, even after becoming a Christian, I still struggled with feeling condemned and feeling accused before God and being like, there's no way that I can make this up to you. Like I am stuck, you know? And I remember one night I was, uh, I think I was 16, maybe 17. I think it was 16 though. And I remember it was very, very late at night. I'm getting real with you. Okay. So like, I hope you can, I hope you can bear with me. <laughs> That's very intimate detail in my life. So I'm laying down in bed and um, I'm kind of looking into the corner of my bedroom and all I'm thinking is, like I just, I just, uh, I'm not sure if it was just then or, or at some point in the, in, in the recent past at that moment, I was like, man, like, God, I keep messing, I keep messing up. I keep making the same mistake. I keep having this habitual sin, no matter how much research I do, no matter how much I try, I keep failing. And I felt like I was doing really well for a season. And then I felt, I fell, I slipped. And so I'm like, wow, I'm broken. And you're you should give up on me and you're gonna give up on me like it's it's over now like i i i already i already received jesus before and is there any way that i can receive him again and receive love again and become the prodigal son all over again will you still receive me with open arms i don't know and so this this i still struggled with that concept in my mind i was crying like i was losing my mind <laughs> like like i was i was i was weeping uh, inconsolably broken and grieving because I thought that I was going to eternal condemnation because of my sin, because of my mistakes. And I couldn't make myself good enough for God to love me, that I, for God to be happy with me. And so I prayed honestly and earnestly, God, like, make me good, help me. You know, and so, so I was still struggling with this whole behavior management problem that comes up in the gospel or that comes up in the, in the, in the church and that comes up in, in different uh, church groups and Christian groups. I mean, like, there's a lot of people that still to this day, even after years, decades walking with Jesus, they aren't even just knowing and believing in Jesus, maybe not having a close walk with him, but at least believing him, where they believe that if they mess up in a certain way, they're a write-off. And maybe there's something for you where you're like, man, like I feel like there are days when I feel like I write-off. Um, when you when you ding up your car good enough, like when I, December 2020, December 2018. So December 2018, I had my six month old and my wife in the car and we're driving down the road and there's a deer in front of us and we hit the deer or the deer hits us, you know, if the insurance company is calling. Um, <laughs> but we run into the deer, okay? And the deer's head like smashes against the the car and it smashes, the, the rest of its body smashes against the the other part of the car and I'm like, oh no. And uh, it turned out that the car was a write-off. I couldn't even like open the door to get out, right? So like it was so dinged up, so messed up, so broken that it couldn't be used anymore and the insurance company deemed it unsafe to use, condemned it, it's done, it's trash now. No matter how many years I'd driven it, no matter how high quality it was, no matter how great gas mileage I got on it, tier, I... I had to get rid of the car and had to get I had to get a different one 
with the money the insurance company got me. Are you a write-off? Do you feel that way? Do you feel that you're a write-off because of mistakes that you made? Do you feel that you're a write-off because you're broken? Do you feel like other people are a write-off because of mistakes that they made? What crime does a person need to commit in your worldview that they are no longer worth saving? I know that sounds like a harsh question, but I mean, process it, right? Like, think about that. And if you think that for somebody else, you think it for you too. That's almost a yeah, very, very direct correlation there. Like, if you are harsh with yourself and you're harsh with criticizing other people, you know, like those two often too, often go together. Sometimes people are so lacking in self-awareness that they're they're overly critical of other people, but not themselves. <laughs> that happens, right? Um, and I'm sure that there are, there are people, sometimes this happened to me too, where I'm critical and harsh with myself, but then I reserve that harshness for myself in some situations. But typically, I mean, we've, if we have a standard of, of justice or righteousness or goodness or fairness, and we fall outside of that, we are going to either give in to the behavior and say that it's okay now and justified, double standard, right? double up the standard and make say that it's okay or we're going to deal with that cognitive dissonance a little bit longer and either repent or try and move on and pretend that it's not there you know like there's a number of options to choose from most of them are unhealthy except for one or two i would say one would probably be the best one which is just repent <laughs> you know like like let it go but like um but you but the uh, repentance is near impossible if you are not able to be received. Like if you're, if like repentance means turning, like if you need to turn and you need to go somewhere and that place ain't going to take you, you're in a problem. You're, you got, you're in a pickle right there because if you turn and there's nobody there to receive you, you don't, you're gonna have to keep turning and turning and turning. You're gonna be spinning in circles because there's no real restoration there. Nothing's made right. So you and I, both of us listening to this, maybe some, maybe you're listening with friends, maybe you're in the car, maybe you're folding laundry, I don't know. But here's what I want you to do. This is what I want you to take home from this, okay? The Christian faith is not about making yourself good enough for God to love you or be happy with you. The Christian faith is about Jesus' very presence and being and character being formed in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm praying for you this week is for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you in such a way that you really believe it and you really receive it, that Jesus is being formed in you. I'm going to be exploring more about this uh, in podcast episodes in the future, but for now, this is what I want you to understand. The Christian faith and the gospel in particular, right? The gospel and, and being in Christ, living our best in Christ is about realizing that Jesus is being formed in us every day. And the more that we cooperate with that process of, 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 of receiving his love and being healed, and the more of those obstacles kind of get out of the way, I can tell you that I have overcome that addiction in many of the major areas of my life. Do I still struggle with temptation? Of course. Do I still make mistakes and fail? Of course. But I know that I'm in a process of Christ being formed in me. So if I fail, I don't need to be stuck in shame and condemnation and accusation. I don't need to get stuck in the enemy's lies. I don't need to get stuck in defeatism or discouragement. I can go forward because I know that, no, 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 I don't start over now completely from, from from the from the beginning, right? Like what I start over from is getting a fresh start of God's mercies and grace to carry me into the next moment and into the next month and so on and so forth. So from that perspective, I just want you to understand that like, hey, you're forgiven. If you're struggling with sin, you're forgiven. If there's somebody in your life that needs to be forgiven, 
let Christ be formed in you in that. Say, Jesus, if there's an area that I just need more of you, come in and get and, and, and form more Jesus in me. <laughs> Jesus, I need more of you. And let me tell you, Jesus says, if anyone asks for more of God, more of the Spirit, he will give. God the Father will give you more of himself if you ask. So ask, seek, knock, right? Ask and you shall be given. You'll receive it. Trust me. So if you're struggling with it right now, uh, I'm asking you, I'm challenging you to receive more of God today and trust him to love you and trust him to receive you and trust him to restore you. Uh, we're going to continue the Live Your Best and Rest in Christ series. Um, and we're going to finish up these episodes. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me for the In Rest podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and like. If you're watching this or listening to this on Spotify, um, rate the podcast and maybe consider becoming a, a, a podcast subscriber. I would love to see how your support could make the podcast experience better for you and for the people that you're going to refer <laughs> to this podcast. Uh, please share if this has been helpful to you. Um, leave a comment in the YouTube channel or send me a DM at InRest uh, Insta in Instagram and I uh, would love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on all the socials and stay in touch with us. Looking forward to um, looking for the future of podcasting with you. God bless you. Goodbye.